What up, y'all? You're listening to the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk Podcast with your host, Thomas Miller and Corey Adair. Your go-to podcast for gambling on soccer and hot, hot, hot U.S. men's national team takes. Take it away. Go, go, USA! Gratefully claims it. Distribution. Brilliant. Landon Donovan. Or if things on here for the USA, can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. All right, and welcome back for the next episode of the Gabacho Barracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast. As always, it is Corey Dare at DJ Corf 07, and I'm here with my cohorts again, and that'd be Dan Angel and Thomas Miller at Dan Angel 11 and at Don Thomas Miller. How are we doing today, guys? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Good, good. How are you? Dude, I finally hit a bet, so. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh man, that got real rough. I think I did. I I I made nine individual line item plays in last week's episode, and I hit three. And out of the six that I didn't hit, five of them the opposite was plus money. <laughs> of course, you were ready to retire yesterday, man. Oh, dude, I I did. I mean, I I did. I, I was always going to come out of retirement for tomorrow, but Mm-mm. I decided to make a play today, and it worked. So. So I, I wanted to get some good vibes going before tomorrow. I need all the good vibes after what happened last week. Right. How are you doing today, Dan? Yeah, not too bad. And almost see how all my baseball plays turn out and um, how the um, CONCACAF Champions League goes tonight for the Sounders. What's that tie going into New York City? Um, Seattle is ahead 3-1, to one, so... Not quite where um we'd like to be, but not a bad position to be in. Um, sucks having conceded that away goal, but oh well. If we score one tonight, then we're in great shape. At Yankee Stadium? Uh, no, um, they won't let um the um they won't let NYCFC play um CCL matches at Yankee Stadium. They have to play at Red Bull Arena. Hmm. Well, that's better. I mean, that's a better field anyway. So. Yeah, that that, and I'm pretty sure that the Yankees are actually playing at Yankee Stadium tonight. Anyway, <laughs> I'm right. pretty sure they're playing the Blue Jays right now. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, with that being said, you know we haven't we haven't done this in a while, but it is something that we've done on a pretty regular basis, uh, bringing bringing the people the updates on our players over in Europe, and you know whether they're getting hurt or coming back from injury. And we do have a couple players to talk about. One would be Serginho Dest being back to available status for tomorrow's Europa League match between Barcelona and Frankfurt, which I am really excited about. It seemed like before his injury, he really earned Xavi's trust, which is huge because if Xavi believes in him, when they when they go to make their major moves over the summer window. If he has belief in him, he, he's probably not going to move him. He's probably going to keep him, and that will be the future right back. So I'm really excited to see how he finishes out the season. I'm excited to see if he gets on the field tomorrow. 
but I do know that it's good for him to get back because he needs to at least see the field a little bit before this transfer window opens up. But what, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I think he's going to play mostly because of Danny Alves's performance. Like Barca's kind of back, um, led by their young Spanish players. But like Danny Alves has been pretty bad. Like any any kind of like, like oh, shit moments have been thanks to him, you know, but they've been on a good run. And um, I mean, as far as him like staying or going, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they have in mind like if if it's gonna be like let's go all in for winning the champions league and la liga next year or let's just like develop around our young talent i don't think they're gonna sell off any of their young spanish players for sure but like like this might be kind of like a bargaining chip you know especially if they're gonna go out and get lewandowski like that could be one where you see him going and then the transfer fee isn't so high Yeah, and that's actually something that I've sent you on Twitter where they talked about there being a potential player swap involved with Lewandowski moving to Barcelona. And the player in specific that was individually singled out was Serginho Dest. In that move, I'm not – it doesn't really – I don't think it hurts him too much as long as he plays. I just don't know – I don't know if he's going to play if he goes to Bayern. You know, I don't – I mean, I think he plays a wingback position better than a fullback. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I hope he doesn't move. I hope he's a part of the future movement that Xavi makes. And I'm, I don't know. It sounds like the deal for Lewandowski is already done and signed. So we'll find out those details eventually. I just hope it doesn't involve Dest. Um, another another player update would be Gio Reyna, baby boy. He uh, He's out for the rest of the year. Uh didn't even look like he didn't even look like anything happened. He went to make a move with the ball, stumbled a little bit in the grass, and apparently re-aggravated his, his hammy, pulled or tore some type of muscle out for the rest of the year. Oh, this is a good talking point. Uh, this is a thing in European English, a tear is like a is like a strain. Like a tear is like what we say, like if we strain our hammy. I've seen this like several different times. Like the way they say tear, they say strain. Like pull is actually worse than a tear in European English. I've seen it where like I've read, I've read, I remember, I think you asked for my advice on uh, West Ham one time. And I was like, dude, they just said Antonio like tore some muscle. But then he was, then he played in that same game. It's just like a strain. That's how I ended up. We, up. we use pull as strain. Like we don't. Nobody misses time for a strained muscle. Yeah, they do. Like over, yeah. I'm saying over here, like when we're talking about basketball players, like if they strain something, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to miss time. If they pull something, they're probably missing time. And if they strain something, they're usually out for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess my main point here is that those two words are pretty, kind of the same for mm-hmm. us. I'm saying strain and tear. If we say you tore your hamstring here in America. Oh, that's a complete tear. That's that's you're done. You're done. And that's like, what I'm saying. And in, in, <laughs> in European English, uh, he tore his hamstring. It's it's just like a it's a minor injury. I think they shut him down because they're not really playing for anything. They they got Champions League spot locked up. They're not in any sort of position to really make a run at Byron. For first place, 
and uh, they're not really in danger. I don't think they're really in danger. They haven't played with them really all year to begin with, too. So, Yeah, I think, what, the first couple months of the season they played with them, and then it's been hit or miss ever since then. Yeah, I heard, like, beginning of September. <laughs> so, like, they haven't played with them really at all. He got hurt in El Salvador, right? Like, I mean, it was, like, yeah. right at the beginning. It's true. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a, a part of that could easily be because of the, the growth spurts that we've talked about, too. Uh, but I will say I did see that a week ago, a little over a week ago, Bayern or uh, Dortmund did fire their team physician, and people were in a straight-up hoopla about it on Twitter. Like, apparently – these soft tissue injuries that Dorman's been having have happened more this year than they usually do. And everybody was up at arms thinking it's this guy's fault that they're not managing people properly, that he doesn't know what's going on. And it, I don't know. I just, I thought it was funny. We have a guy that plays for them that keeps getting hurt continuously over the entire season. And all of a sudden they fire their team position. I, th- I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I think it really does have a lot to do with growing. Like the amount of inches that he has sprout up, you're bound to get injuries, you know. Oh, dude, this is this is something we talk about in American football. You know, Iowa, Iowa is a perfect example of this, where you take a tight end who weighs 250 pounds, you get him up to 295 pounds and, and move him to tackle. You're probably if he if that player goes and plays a full season immediately after putting on that weight there's a really good chance that they're going to get hurt. And it's because they just changed their body so much that they're not used to carrying that yet. I think, I think that has a lot to do with what's going on with Gio. It's not necessarily about putting on weight and bulking up, but he has hit a growth spurt. And I think that that's what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, as a, you know, non-professional uh, medical person, I think that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> well if <laughs> like i hope that's what's going on because like pulisic has kind of been fragile too but he i mean since he's came back and when did he come back november october november i don't think he's been out for an extended period since then and that's gotta be like his his longest run as a pro that he hasn't been injured and, and i was gonna say so far for this year overall he's been pretty available yeah there was the beginning like, I don't think he played at all in our October window or something like that. Like, he was that was the only window he missed. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, like we got the history with um, 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 the Fox announcer. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Help me out. Fox. Joe Buck. Joe Buck. Yes. Joe Buck is constantly injured. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. The soccer <laughs> fucking not Taylor Twelman, the other one. Oh, Stu Holden. Yeah, Stuart Holden. Like he was already in the Premier League and he started fucking getting hurt. And then okay. So we have a history with Stuart Holden, <laughs> who was already made the transfer to Europe, and then he's uh, you know, he started getting injured and then he he never recovered from it. So it's like always kind of a thing that I think it's on our minds as American fans that, you know. We hope our our young boys can can stay healthy and be prosperous as adult men. Well, I think it also plays into 
the idea that we we kind of revere our Ironmen, as as you would say, you know, like how many times did you have to hear people talk about Brett Favre never missing a game? Yeah, Cal you know, Ripken Jr. Who? Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah, Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, these people yeah. get put on like saint status for just never missing time. So we want to see that in our athletes. We want to see guys that don't get hurt. We want to see guys that are tough, play through, you know, minor bumps and bruises. And I mean, it all comes back to my, one of my favorite sayings and that's the best abilities availability. You know, it's like you can argue players not being as great as other people think they are because they weren't available all the time. Like, so I don't know. I, I hope that it's just because our guys are really young over there and finding their footing and eventually they get to the point where they're not missing time on a regular basis. But with that all being said, Best is back. McKinney's going to be back by the summer. And it sounds like Geo is going to be good to go in the summer window as well. So I don't know. No. With that being said, though, we'll go ahead and transition into the next segment. And Dan Seattle Sounders have a have a chance to advance to the next round of the CONCACAF Champions League. What are you uh what are you thinking about for CONCACAF Champions League, Dan? I mean, I just hope that um that we can finally do it. This, I mean, this has been a competition that Liga Max has just dominated year after year. And yeah, I'm sure that we're going to get splattered by either the UEFA Champions League winner or the Uncommon Bowl Champions League winner. But at least we'd make it to the Club World Cup and making it and actually getting to be on that stage and a U.S. team finally bringing that home would just be huge for MLS and for American soccer. So are you, are you willing to put down a futures on Seattle? What to, to um, win the CONCACAF champions league? Yeah. Like, I mean, how are you feeling? Do you think, do you think they have a chance? How are they looking? Like, I mean, I mean, they certainly have a chance. Like what I'm not sure on what the um, final setup is going to be, whether, um, well, I mean, first we have to not screw up tonight, but I'm a little um, concerned about whether we're going to get to host the final leg or whether um, Pumas will host because the away goals rule still does apply in this competition as opposed to other competitions that are getting rid of it. So I really don't love the idea of having to go into Mexico City um, for the second leg if that is what ends up happening. So if we do get to host the second leg, I feel really good about it. If not, then it's going to be a challenge. So I am I am glad that it's on Pumas instead of um, Cruz Azul because going into the Azteca would not be an enjoyable experience. Yeah, actually, that was exactly what I was going to ask. I I wasn't 100% sure. I, I, I knew Cruz Azul and I knew Club America play at Estadio Azteca, but I couldn't remember – where Pumas play doesn't Pumas play at the campus or whatever that are like near to the campus of the college that they're mm-hmm. associated with. Yeah. Stadio Olimpico Universitario. Okay. Yep. It's a, yeah. Well, it's like a, you know, like a traditional bowl. It, it's mm-hmm. like a huge home field advantage. They play it a lot of their home games at like noon on Sundays and it's a huge home field advantage, but I mean, they won't be able to do that in Cog Camp Champions League, obviously. Right. And I do like yeah, that's something that's actually a, you make a really good point there. And we didn't talk about it 
when we played in that last window. But that's something that they used to do for World Cup qualifiers, too, where we would have to go down to Azteca and play at two o'clock in the afternoon. It, you know, it sun beating you down at elevation in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. That's I mean, I, if you've never been at elevation before on a clear, sunny day in the summertime, it's brutal, like fucking brutal. Yep. The other part of that is that, um, I mean, they w- I think they played it at 4 p.m. local time. So it was like peak uh, smog hours, too. Like just, you know, tons of traffic in and around. I mean, around the stadium, not in the stadium. But like, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about how they've upgraded Azteca to make it more fan friendly and how it's like kind of ruined uh, Mexico's major home field advantage and we talked about too uh, because of the you know trying to get I don't know more TV viewers or you know who who makes the decisions or not but like we used to have to play in San Pedro Sula at 2 p.m. 2 3 p.m. <laughs> San Pedro Sula and in knee high grass as, as the players that have played down there describe it and just, you know, go down there to melt. And I mean, as far as I know, this window, I don't know if there were any afternoon games in Central America at all. Like it, I know Canada played a few, quite a few afternoon games, including one against us on Sunday, on a Sunday, but like, I think that was to get, get more warmth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So something I just found is that the MLS champion, regardless of who it is, will host the final, will host the second leg in the final. Yeah, that's what I was looking at too, yeah. There you because, go. So, yeah, because, so the way that they're um, deciding who gets to host is how many points some you've accumulated and them in the competition. So if Pumas had won last night, then Seattle would only be able to host with a win tonight against Storm NYC. But because they drew, Pumas are level with Storm the Sounders on points, and the next tiebreaker is goal difference. And there's no way that Seattle can advance with a loss of five goals or more. Where And then NYCFC is on nine points to Pumas 11. They can mm-hmm. only advance with a win, so they'd get up to 12 um, with a win. So regardless of who wins, the MLS team will host the second dumb leg. Right. It's perfect. And I like, yeah. it. I like it a million times better how they're doing it this year, that this game is going to be here in two weeks. I mean, yeah, both games will be maybe two weeks and then a week after where I believe mm-hmm. like Philadelphia union played America in like, in like August of last year after doing the semifinals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was, it was just ridiculous. I don't know if that was a COVID thing. Or yeah. Well, I mean, I do, I do give them a little bit of a pass last year because, I mean, they were trying to get the schedule back on track after the whole COVID disaster the year before. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah. as a Disney. fan of soccer in the United States, you know, Seattle hasn't locked it up, but whether it's Seattle or it's NYCFC, of course, those those games, um, like I feel like we all have to kind of pull for the MLS team, like because uh we've never won this, never won a Concacaf Champions League, so this is like part of it, you know. We need to grow the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think Seattle will win. I think you're right. I I think they'll kind of play a tough game. They're NYCFC is is pretty vulnerable to like I think they'll they might even win 
in New York. But I mean, I, if not, I think they'll play a tight game and advance at least. I mean, if they do win, there's plenty of value on that possibility. What is it at? <laughs> um, I'm about to check it out right now. I want to say the last I saw it was at like plus three something for them to win. Oh. Let's see. Um, whoa, plus four fifteen for the Sounders to win. There you go, dude. That, there's val- that's value. Yeah, because yeah, you could play the, the double chance. That's true. Way plus money. That's gonna be like plus one eighty five or something. The double chance. As a road. Yeah. My my main bet on this one is um both teams to score. Right, right, right. So yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. All right. Well, let's go Sounders. I, I mean, I. I want an MLS team to beat a Liga MIQ team. I, I I don't want to. I they overinflate the value of their players. Their fans like to think that their league is head and shoulders better than MLS. But I think it's more of a systemic issue as to why the MLS teams don't win it more often. I don't think it's necessarily just the quality of the club. I think it's yeah. the timing of it. I think it's home field advantages. I just I think there's more to it than just Liga MX is better than MLS. So I don't I don't buy into that, and I have gotten into that argument with a couple different people, and it gets heated. I mean, they get real heated about it. So I would love I I love when teams take things away from other teams that expected to have it in hand. You know, Mm -hmm. as as a Nebraska fan, I always said that Iowa needed to go on a run. They needed to take things from us. They needed to take stuff from us to make us hate them as much as they hated us. Well, they've done it. Now we fucking hate them. So now it's now it's now it's a rivalry in both teams' eyes at equal level. And it wasn't like that when Nebraska first joined the Big Ten. But I love it. I knew it was going to be painful, but I love it. This one won't be painful for me. I want the MLS to take this. Just take it. Take it from them. What's up, everybody? This is Thomas Miller. And I just wanted to let you know that the Gabacho Borracho U.S. Soccer Talk podcast is sponsored by Moneyline Dice. Moneyline aims to revolutionize the sports betting market through the creation of both functional and novelty products that sports bettors of all levels will enjoy. Spotted by its golden peaks, the Moneyline logo symbolizes winning and winning big. Feature products include Moneyline Sports Betting Dice, Moneyline Sports Betting Pocket Notebook, Snapback Hat, and more. Use promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A-1-0, to receive a 10% discount on your next order. That's promo code CODA10, K-O-T-A, for 10% off your next order at MoneylineDice.com. Now let's get back to the show. Que yo sé que tú prefieres tocar lo que quieres ver. Si 
ya entendimos todas las señales Hoy voy a hacerte hasta lo que no sabes Porque yo sé que tú prefieres tocar a lo que puedes ver Así que vente pa' la oscuridad Pumas is a good draw because it's like very flawed team, to be honest. Yeah, and they've never been to this level either. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that could kind of give them more motivation, I guess. But like, yeah, they're not a great, not a super great team. It's not like you're facing Tigres or something like that, you know. No Monterey, no classic Chivas, no classic Club America. Right, America had been. Oh, it's not even like Atlas. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we did mention something in there that I thought was a good talking point. So we had Champions League the last two days. Uh, Liverpool and Man City advanced today. Yesterday, Real Madrid and Villarreal, the surprise team of the quarterfinals, advanced. So we got our four semis. Looks like it's going to be Liverpool versus Villarreal and Real Madrid versus Man City. And we talked about the away goals having weight still in CONCACAF Champions League. But in UEFA, it does not have weight. So it's just straight aggregate. And I honestly think we've got, we had some really amazing like products put out on the field these last two weeks in these quarterfinal matches. I think that that Liverpool and Benfica home and home, and I think the Chelsea and Real Madrid, I think they played out way differently this year than they would have if away goals were weighted like they used to be. But um, I don't know. What's your guys' take? What, what's your what's your take from the Champions League? Do you have input on that concept? Uh, just kind of opening the floor. What are you guys thinking? Um, Honestly, the Atletico Madrid and Man City game today for a zero, any 0-0 zero, zero game you're going to see ever, probably one of the more entertaining 0-0 zero, zero games you'll ever see. Uh, at least the second half. The second half was great. Like, Atletico started to attack. They they still kind of uh, were in a shell the first half, like, or parking the bus or whatever you want to call it. Second half was crazy. A lot of fighting. Uh, There's even clips of them wanting to fight post-game in, the lo- in whatever, the tunnel, going back to the locker rooms. The Chelsea-Real Madrid game from yesterday is one of the all-time classics as well. Uh, I mean, Chelsea, I believe they're up three to zero. And yeah, oh, dude, they were, they were in, they were advancing on aggregate at one point in that match. Yeah. They gave up a goal in regular time, sent it to extra time. And then Benzema finally scored, uh, about 10 minutes after my bet would have hit, but, uh, yeah, it was in, it was in, uh, extra time and it was really one of the classic games. Like, I, like in, 
disallowed goal that would have sent him regardless yeah, of that yeah. goal at the like end a, of the a weird handball that like if a defender would have done that like I, it, it was handball rule with var is, is it's almost like the receiver catch rule like honestly you, you never know what they're gonna say you know a receiver catch in nfl i want to say <laughs> yeah, yeah nobody has any clue yeah yeah nobody has any clue what's gonna happen and i mean and that one wasn't one that had to do with like uh, away goals, but I mean, at least the Villarreal firing from yesterday is one where we can talk about away goals where Villarreal had to play a little bit different game because they, they won 1-0 at home. Uh, I don't, I mean, they would have been defending with 11, you know, like Atletico did against Man City in the first leg um, if the away goals was still kind of a thing, but like uh, they came out and the game was beautiful. Their upset's amazing. They, they're a good tournament. They're a good tournament team. Like, they always do well. They, they beat Man City or Man United, I believe, last year in uh, Europa League on penalties. Um, if you remember, that was the game. De Gea missed his penalty kick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, dude, that was. Oh, I lost money on that one, and that was so painful to watch. Yeah. Oh, that was painful. Pure pain. And really, that was like the start of Manchester United's just straight up fucking downfall. It really was, yeah. Like, and Liverpool plays Villarreal? Yeah, which I, I like that draw. I think, uh, yeah, really. I mean, we, we talk about, this is, that's something else I wanted to talk to you about. We've talked about stylistic differences between the leagues, but one thing we have not talked about on this podcast is how those stylistic differences can lead to mismatches where you wouldn't think there would be one. And the, the the most common one that we talk about is EPL versus La Liga, where somehow, some way, it just seems like La Liga teams have an advantage when it comes to style of play. Do you think that, ta- do you think that plays into this, or do you think Liverpool is just that much better? Um, I think what Liverpool struggles against is teams that, See, okay, VRL has shown where they will defend and only try to counter, which they did yesterday. The, the first leg, they actually, I mean, the first leg, they were they were offensive. They weren't just, you know, looking for counters. Yesterday they were. So, like, that's a team in Liverpool will struggle against. Uh, I mean, I, even against Benfica, they, I mean, today, I guess, whatever, they got three. They got three both legs, but, like... <laughs> That's that's struggling for Liverpool, you know, like where it's just not completely fluid. And you see it in the EPL week in and week out where if a team's just completely defensive against them, they struggle. And so, like, the sexy matchup is going to be Man City and Real. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, it, it is definitely a talking point to be having over the next – I mean, when's the next match? Two weeks from now? Yeah, I think it's around the – yeah, it's got to be here coming up. Maybe one week off, and then I think they start. Yeah, that's, that's what we talked about last week. But, I mean, you have two La Liga teams versus two EPL teams. So, I mean, we're going to see firsthand because Villarreal is not a top three team in La Liga this year. They're not. They're, they're, a, solid, they're a solid side, but they're not top three. Right. And Real is running away with La Liga, but you have the two clear-cut best teams in the EPL. So that stylistic difference is going to be something worth watching this this round in the semis. I think 
I don't know. I, I mean, I'm nervous, but I, I think Liverpool gets it done. I don't know about this Man City Real thing. Real, outside of that Barcelona match in El Clasico a few weeks ago, Real looks really fucking good. And Benzema looks like he, I, I, I'm going to give my best shot at pronouncing it, but it looks like he's running away with the Balloon d'Or. <laughs> Balloon d'Or. However, you fucking have to say it. I don't fucking care. Yes. He's the Heisman for soccer. The Balloon d'Or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Villarreal is like the exact uh, definition of average in La Liga 12 wins, 10 draws, nine losses. But they've adapted that style that they're good. They're a good tournament team. Like they won uh, Europa League last year. That's how they got into the Champions League. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's something for that. It's like Uruguay when we were kids. Uruguay was always average, but in any World Cup or, or um, Copa America, Uruguay was always like in the final or, or getting close Forlan. to the final. Forlan. Diego Forlan. He's one of my favorite players of all time, to be honest. I mean, he played. He played six. He played a six, didn't he? He was like a midfielder. Yeah, he he played a six at the end. He was like a Pirlo at the end, yeah. and like yeah, making crazy free ass kicks. free kicks. Yeah. Oh my god, his free kick. What was that? The twenty fourteen World Cup. His I will never, kick. never forget that goal. Never forget that goal. Yeah. God, that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, right. I, 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 I'm looking forward to the next round of Champions League. I do think that. I think overall we've already seen how the removing the weight of the away goals has made it a more entertaining product. I really do. I think these matches this week and last week were far more entertaining without that rule. So I do like it. Yeah. You got to, I mean, do we want to do predictions? Who, who's going to take it? I already did my predictions. It's out on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I think I want to go against mine that I did on Twitter. I think, I think Atletico, showed man city that they have like enough shithousery in them i think man city fucking ends up i think they beat real and then i think it's gonna be liverpool i think it's gonna be all english final and i think they beat liverpool i think man city finally wins champions league which has like been their goal forever and <laughs> they still haven't done it but because like they played a game today that was like it was like a knife fight you know and they went toe to toe and they did it yeah, I just don't – if they couldn't do it last year, I don't think they ever will. Yeah. I, I think – It feels like something always goes wrong for Man City. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's going to happen again. Like, they should win it. Yeah. But I just think something – they're going to find a way to screw this up. Right. I. I don't – I think – I don't think Chelsea comes close to the quality com- like comparatively from last year to Liverpool this year. I think Liverpool is a much better side this year than Chelsea was overall last year. When they went into when before that match started, before kickoff of that match. And if Man City couldn't do it against Chelsea last year, I don't think they're going to do it against Liverpool this year. Right. We we talk about our like we got to talk about this athletical game a little bit more. We talk about our love for shithousery. I mean, you realize how much shithousery you have to have for the second half to be plus 12 <laughs> of injury time, like in a, in a UEFA game. It's common here. It's common CONCACAF, common in, in South America. Dude, common bowl, it's like 
almost norm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they go into the game knowing it's going to be like, yeah, plus nine at minimum. But like, I mean, it was just, it was just ridiculous. And Man City, they like, they, they didn't just take it. They, they gave it back. You know, they showed some sort of spine that I'm not going to say I respect them. I don't respect Man City. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like a fan of any English team. Like, I don't fucking respect Man City, but like they gained some sort of respect for, for how they played. Like Atletico is not an easy team to play. It's just like so anti-soccer, you know, and they showed me something today. I was impressed. Well, yeah, I mean, last week all we saw was a 5-5-0 out of their asses where they were just hell-bent on not allowing any space to be created in any way, shape or form for mm-hmm. a full 90 minutes. Today, I saw Atletico play like Atletico. Like that was that was a classic Atletico performance. And I mean, they drew, they drew Man City on the road. That's impressive in itself. They needed a goal, but drawn zero to zero at Man City is pretty impressive. Still, it was it was in Madrid today. I thought it was in Madrid last week. Oh, I'm thinking of the Real Madrid Chelsea match. <laughs> that one was in Madrid last week, wasn't it? Mm, no, no. <laughs> really? I got it's last week. Yeah, dude. Chelsea won. Yeah, both both road teams won in that too. Yeah. God, why did I fucking think that? What the fuck? I don't know. Yeah, way off. <laughs> I thought for sure that those were both like those were flipped. I didn't think that they were both. In England last week and and Madrid today, I did not realize that. But still, regardless, drawing Man City isn't very easy. Yeah, no, it's not. All right, and for our final segment before we get to our picks of the week, uh, there was something that I've been wanting to talk about for the last few weeks, ever since we did qualify and everybody else qualified, and the draw happened and everything, and and that's the United States being a full two years younger on average. Now, this is based off of the rosters that each country used to qualify, but being a two full years younger than the next youngest team at the tournament. I mean, I think I think the number was 24.3 years, average years of age, and then the next team was 26.3. And then the other interesting thing about it was that there was 12 more teams in the next two-year window. So from 26.3 to 28.3, there's another 12 or 13 teams. So that gap between us and number two versus number two to number 13 out of 32 was equal. And I just, I thought that was absolutely stunning when I saw that metric. I thought it was very interesting, especially for how often we like to talk about the USA's chances to make a super deep run in 2026. But I just wanted to get your guys' takes. Like what, what are your thoughts? Do you think, you know, because there's there's also this thing where in other sports, when a team is a lot younger, sometimes, you know, they, they end up being in over their head. And other times they're it's almost like they're too young and too naive to know they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. And then they end up, you know, overachieving. So in general, what's your guys' takes? How does it make you feel about the future? You know, like what what are your guys' thoughts on all that? I mean, from my point of view, I see both the positives and the negatives here. On the positive side of the ledger, 
this group of players should have two and possibly um, some of them will get three World Cup bomb cycles. It could, it could end up bomb being three because they're not going to have to go through qualifiers and kill their legs over the next um, few years for the 2026 World Cup because we've already got that one um, as the host. So that could be a good thing. On the other side of the ledger, it depends on how U.S. soccer decides to give this team the leadership that it needs because if Burhalter is the coach for – two or more of these cycles, then it could end up being a complete waste. It just depends on how this World Cup form goes, what the U.S. ends up doing, and what we think is possible for 2026. So I think that with this age group being what it is, the focus should be on getting the best storm result we can this time and trying to make a really serious run as the host nation in 2026, which with these players hitting their prime, that should be very possible with the right leadership in place. Yeah, I think uh, I'm right along those lines. Like um, it's great that we're the youngest team. <clears throat> It'd be nice if we had some veterans that were like <clears throat> capable, you know, to, uh, to fill in, like, if you look at some of those other, like, whatever you said it was, like, 13 teams, like, they have veteran guys with young guys. England was kind of in the same position, I think, in 2018. I think they were the youngest team. They had a really good World Cup because they had a bunch of really good young players. Now those players are four years older. Um, I think it has a lot to do, too, with, like, how much we failed to develop players uh, before the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the Christian Pulisic generation uh the u20 u17 from like 2010 to 2015 uh and i mean yeah i mean it, it, we can criticize burhalter all we want but like he has sent out young guys and given them the uh opportunity to fail or or succeed and uh so yeah i mean Possibly that's what we're looking at at the 2022 World Cup is to see how far young guys can get and then be considered probably, you know, like some sort of favorite in the 2026 World Cup. So this actually – this makes me pose a question that I think is a pretty good question. What, uh, what do we all consider the qualifications for being a veteran? I mean, so a lot of people equate that to age, but that doesn't necessarily mean just because you're older that you're a veteran if you haven't played in anything that's worth a shit. Can you be, you know, how how old, what's the minimum threshold for being a veteran? And, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I'm to the point where I think Pulisic has been playing at high enough club, high level clubs and in high level of competitions and been around playing long enough that, I mean, he's not necessarily like a veteran veteran, but this isn't his first go around and this isn't his first major tournament. This isn't his first, you know, he, he played in the champions league finals and, and played actually played. I mean, is that close enough to a veteran to be able to give you some type of leadership in a major tournament? I would think so. I mean, like, of course, the World Cup is going to be a different beast, no question about that. But 
I mean, there's still a lot of pressure that comes with playing in the Champions League, playing in a huge match in the Premier League. And yeah, I think someone like Pulisic has played in enough big matches and has been a key contributor in those situations. And on top of that, he's felt the pressure of having the weight of American soccer on him on that night in Trinidad in 2018. So he's no stranger to big moments. Some of, some of the um, other players, more of a question mark. Oh yeah, and that's and, that, and then this this is exactly why I brought it up. It wasn't necessarily to harp on a Pulisic train. It was more about the reason we are that much younger is because if you go look at the list of players that made their World Cup qualifying debut this last you know this last cycle, everybody that's important to our team is on that list outside of Pulisic. Everybody that's a regular starter, this was the first time that they appeared in a World Cup qualifying match. That is a total lack of experience. So I, I get, you know, the whole veteran thing, lack of experience. We have that, and it's and it's it's by a lot. I'm wondering if we bring in John Brooks, we have Yedlin, and the high level of club play that Pulisic's had, are those three guys enough veteran leadership that have experienced enough things before to be able to push us to the next level? Under what circumstances are we bringing in John Brooks short of Berhalter getting um, getting um, fired um, somehow before the World Cup? I don't know. I, I get not bringing him for like qualifiers, but I don't know how you go to Qatar without him. Oh, he'll find he'll probably find a way. I, you're right that Brooks should be on this roster, but it seems like there's very little chance of that happening. I think even if you don't play him, though, you bring him for leadership, don't you? I would, I would, but I'm not the one making the decision. Do you think there's any chance of that happening, Thomas? Um, I, like I don't know how much it really has to do with any, like, uh, anything in 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 world soccer. Like, like I get like a like an NBA team or an MLB team that's all young guys will bring in like a couple veterans that have been in a playoff situation, you know, and like, I really, John Brooks is like the only guy we could even bring in that's been to a world cup, but like Julian green, Julian green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brad Busan, I guess he's still playing. Uh, I hope I, I seriously hope we don't bring him in, but like, yeah, that would not end. Julian well. Green actually wouldn't be a bad bench spot to bring in though. I mean, if we got unlimited roster numbers, sure, whatever. I mean, I don't know, but, like, yeah, I mean, John Brooks would kind of make sense for that. But, like, I mean, it's it's kind of like, do we even need that? Because, like, it's going to be a different experience for everybody. They've never had a World Cup that comes in November, seven days after you play your last game in the Premier League or Bundesliga or whatever, you're now playing a game in, in the World Cup, you know? I mean, it's just going to be completely different for everybody. So, like... And, like, I don't know. Like, when we played our older guys, it's been, like, our worst games, too, you know. And I know our older guys aren't the best. Like, our young guys are the guys that are in Europe and everything. So, but, I mean, if, if, if like, it was an option to have, like, um, like who are we talking about? Like, like, uh, like a PK or, or, or who's older for England? Like, I don't know. I can't think. 
Raheem Sterling. Yeah, Sterling or like, yeah, Declan. I mean, Declan Rice is an old, but like Jordan Pickford. <laughs> I was gonna say Joe Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, like I. I mean, if they were like a really really quality European type player, which John Brooks kind of is. I mean, he's like, he's like probably like a top. 10, 15 center back in Bundesliga, right? But, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's so different that it's just going to feel so different for everybody that, you know, it's not going to yeah. be – we need familiarity or whatever, you know, where you, like, bring in, like, a like a 35-year-old dude for an NBA team that's got a bunch of 22-year-old starters or something. Isn't, isn't that basically what we did with Thumb to Marcus Beasley, like, every World <laughs> Cup? Yeah. Yeah, and an example of leaving one off uh, in 2014 was Landon Donovan, where, like, everybody who wanted him there was like, well, we need that veteran leadership and, you know, one of our all-time greats and uh, a guy who would come off the bench and maybe score if we needed it or whatever. Klinsman left him off. And there's really no way to tell, like, if our, if our result would have been different, I guess. I don't know. I just think the World Cup at soccer – soccer World Cup is different from everything mm. I think our I think our result might have been different because I think Donovan um probably wouldn't have missed on the one that Dom Wondolowski um <laughs> did against Belgium. Oh, Wondolowski brought up in another episode. Poor. <laughs> I mean, as long as we're having a podcast about United States men's national team, the one person that's probably going to get brought up on a semi regular basis that shouldn't is going to be Wondolowski. Wondolowski. <laughs> yeah, I saw. No, I just. Or go ahead. Sorry. I saw a post today. Um, MLS Golden Boot winners. Did you guys see this post? No. All right. Like, do you have any idea in the history of MLS who's won the Golden Boot the most times? Probably Wando. Yeah, Wando. He's yeah. right. He's won. It he? He's won it six times. Yeah. Where uh, did he play? Where did he play at the most? San Jose. San Jose. San Jose. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the earthquakes pretty much don't ha- didn't have anybody else. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so second most is a tie between two guys. Do you have any idea who those two guys are, Dan? They got it twice. Um, I'm gonna guess Donovan. I don't see Donovan on the list at all. Hmm. Javinko. Javinko's on there. He only got it once for Toronto. Uh, uh, New York Red Bulls. Red Bulls. A few years ago. Right, right Phillips. Yep. He won it twice. And then uh, I believe a guy, who, I think he's in the Mexican league, like either Toluca or Cruz Azul, a Brazilian, Camilo Sanves with uh, the Whitecaps, I think. Oh. He won it twice too. But yeah, I mean, so. It was it was like a funny thing that I thought about Wondolowski, and then he's just randomly brought up in the podcast again. Like a, a great MLS player, right? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic MLS player. But he missed that shot. You're right. I I think you're kind of right too. That like if that ball would have fell to Donovan, hundred percent he would have sank it. Yeah, and we're talking about and... a completely different history for American soccer. Yeah, U.S. versus Argentina in the quarterfinals. Yeah, could have been excellent. I mean, we've we've had two major moments, actually three major moments in 
American soccer in on the knockout stages where one thing goes differently and it could have gone on the U.S.'s way. Right. We're talking the handball against Germany. Yes. Absolutely. And Wando missing that. And then what else? Um, so let's see. Trent, I'm trying to um, remember remember um, who was against um, but um, let's see. It's Ghana, probably. No, um, no, not not who it was against um, team wise um, like who it was against um, person wise. Let's see, it was um, it was uh, the '94 match against Brazil. Leonardo with the red card um, throwing the elbow. Right. And the oh, it was. It was Tab. It was against Storm Tab Ramos, right? And yeah, like if I mean, if Ramos had been able to play the rest of that match, the U.S. was actually playing Brazil pretty on well that in that matchup. Like maybe the U.S. gets a draw, forces it to penalties, and then who knows? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could have completely. I mean. Completely changed the, the 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 history of U.S. soccer. I mean that that would have changed um, the history of just soccer in general because Brazil won the World Cup that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been wild. Yeah, um, that was a good topic to bring up, Corey. Um, no, I just, I, dude, I I saw that, and I, <laughs> as we as as the group chat and the network likes to say, like I got fucking bricked up, dude. Like we are two years younger than the next team. And I mean, we're like six years younger than the oldest team. And we have guys sprinkled all throughout Europe in major leagues on, and not just in major leagues, but on major clubs. And, and here we are finally going to a world cup where these guys aren't to their prime yet. They're not in their prime. I mean, what would you say your prime is the years 23 through 27, 24 through 27, yeah, 25 through, yeah. I'd say 20, yeah, probably 23 these days because all young players do get their shot, you know, from whatever nation they're from. Like, if they're yeah. really good, they're playing on top teams pretty young. So, it's probably- so but, yeah, so, so I mean, we're, we're talking about nobody on our side yet that is sprinkled throughout Europe being in their prime, not even in their prime yet. And, you know all of them will be in their prime by the next world cup and they all get this world cup experience and they get to play one of the odds on favorites in England. And if they break out of the group stage, they're going to get another great experience, you know? So I, I don't know. It's something worth noting. In my opinion, it's something worth paying attention to. And I just, I think it's something worth getting excited about. We talk about it all the time on this podcast where we want to grow the sport. We want to grow a fan base of United States men's national team fans to where, you know, when we do get this tournament in four years from now, we create such a home field advantage that, you know, we actually have a shot at making a run. Like we want that in four years. Right now is the time to hop on the bandwagon. We've also said that a bunch of times. And I thought that metric really, really exp- like it showed it. It absolutely showed it. And there's reasons to be excited. And I just I want to talk about it. And we're probably going to talk about it 15 more times before the World Cup comes because it's not for another what seven fucking months. Yeah, not till November. Played yeah. devil's advocate, you know, like 
compared to an American sport, like how many times have we seen like a, what's the team? Ten- Tennessee always has like, every few years they have like 17 true freshmen, like true freshmen or redshirt freshmen starting. And you're like, dude, Tennessee's going to be really good in three years. And like, have they ever been good? You know, like USC gets like, in football gets like, you know, one of the top recruiting classes every single year. <laughs> on a, on a side note. always doesn't like, you know what I mean? On a side note, when you talk about one of the haves in college, I mean, Tennessee, Tennessee is a bad example. USC is probably a better example. But when a team like Oregon or Auburn or Alabama or Oklahoma, when any of those big name teams come out in that year, it's the youngest team they've had in the decade. They typically do make the national championship within three years. Yeah. So, I mean, that sometimes it, it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. And I will say, too, that I think, like, the development of players in, in this country is at a point that has never been. So, I, like, I really think the guys that are going to be coming in, like, guys that we don't even really know about, you know, who are, are, who are completely off the radar and they're going to be like filling in for like a Kellen Acosta or something in 2026. Like they're going to be way better than anything we've ever had, you know, before. So like, I don't know, like I'm excited for this world cup and I think, you know, and I'm hoping we do well, like, but I mean, if it was kind of like a look for the future thing, which is hard to do every four years, you know, it's not like an every year thing. So yeah, I think with I think with this specific I think with this specific example though there is a look ahead value because we automatically qualify in 2026. Yeah. You know, like it's not a question of if we're going to make it because what you're I think I, my opinion I don't I you know I'm assuming here so maybe I'm making an ass out of myself but uh the the looking ahead every 4 years concept that you were just talking about is because you don't necessarily make it guaranteed. So you can't know if four years from now, the experience today even fucking matters because you don't know if you make it. But we're in a unique situation where we know we make it in four years. Right. We're also in a situation where us as humans, we don't know if we'll make it in four years, you know? So that's kind of like the shitty thing about the World Cup. Have we ever talked about our opinions on playing the World Cup every two years or every four years? We have. We have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We yeah. talked about it. I we know for sure one time we talked about it. Okay. Because there's a part of me that would be into a World Cup every two years, but at the same time, I like the way it is now. Dance you know, it. if if they wanted to do something every offsetting year from a like our our traditional World Cup, I would happily take like, especially because they're expand. What are they expanding to? 40, 48. Yeah. 48. If every offsetting two years they wanted to do a tournament of 24, I wouldn't be against that. Yeah, they could like, I think what would be really dope and cool would be like what they because they abolished completely the Confederations Cup now, right? Like, so yeah, like if, if it was some sort of thing where like, like at the beginning of June, every single confederation played like, like they play Euros, they play Copa America, they play CONCACAF gold cup or whatever the fuck and you know an asian or whatever and then like every winner went to some sort of like tournament like that like in july or at the end of june or something like i think that would be cool but like yeah 
I, I, I do kind of like the traditional thing, the World Cup too. So. I mean, I think there needs to be some kind of replacement for the Confederations Cup, but I like yeah. um, the way that it was staggered. So there was always a major tournament um, every year. It's like World Cup, Women's World Cup, right. Euro, and then it was Confederations Cup. Like, come up with something else um, to replace it. If, like, they might be expanding the Club World Cup, that's fine. Right. But you just need to fill in that one other year because I'll be honest, I enjoy watching the Women's World Cup. Like, it's, I wish there was a little more competitiveness some um, because some of those countries just have no business some um, being there. Like, seeing the United States drop 13 on Thailand. Um, yeah, Dan, and Bama fans love watching college football too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was dying laughing just thinking of myself saying it. I had to say it. Yes, of course we like watching the Women's World Cup. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I like watching, like, I like watching the European teams um, more like France, England, or um germany sweden holds more appeal um, to me yeah i that was just a because we dominate i know i know although i although i really do wish that the u.s women actually played some qualifiers somewhere other than american spoil ever well i mean it'd be like dropping brazil into Concacaf and adding nobody else well no i mean like play canada on canadian soil in a qualifier Play, wow. play at the Azteca. Right. Like, that's that's one thing that I love. Like, I, we're a little bit off topic now, but UEFA, they do a full qualification tournament um, just like they do for the men. The women, CONCACAF just does one um, two-week tournament and all the matches are held in the U.S. Like, the U.S. never has to has to play a road match the way the U.S. men's team does. Right. And, like, yeah, I mean, there are there are some CONCACAF nations, you know, building up their leagues for women. And, and the Women's World Cup is, like, it's one of the – like, I don't want to – like, it's it's one of my favorite women's sport thing to watch. I love watching yeah, – like, That's an excellent event, too. You know, and, and yeah, I mean – and, and, and so, like, Mexico has a women's league now, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I've watched a lot of the Central American – there's quite a few Central American teams that are putting money into their into their women's programs. South America is kind of behind on it. And then, you know, Europe – I mean, there, there's going to be a point where U.S. women's national team isn't going to be as dominant as they are right now. And, and that'll be good for the sport. It's like yeah. Mississippi State beat UConn in the women's – You know, I was just thinking about UConn. In that example, and how Gino Ariemo would basically say, "Well, what do you want us to do? Lose?" And it's like, "Yeah, actually, because that would be better for the sport. Like, you can't drum up interest when one team wins all the time." Right. <laughs> Bringing it back home, it's fun to watch people take shit from other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to take something. You're you're talking about creating. You know, uh, what's it's not adver- is it adversity? No, maybe, maybe that's the word I'm thinking of. I don't, yeah, adversity, creating adversity. You know, you have to have upsets, you have to have people taking things from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's 
you know, Vegas makes lines, but do the favorites always win? You know, and even when Vegas makes a big favorite, do they always win? It's what it's why we tune in, right? Case in point, Seattle is currently winning this match one nil despite Dom going off at plus four fifteen. Yeah. And by being up one nil already, I mean oof. Yeah. That yeah. four fifteen would have been a great bet. Because like now they can just I mean they would I, have to I got it in. Days. You did? There you go. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna give up. Yeah. I mean they can just really park the bus at that point. It's gonna be that's yeah. a you're gonna hit that. I think. Well well, I mean if so NYC if NYCFC could force penalties if they can find three goals, but if Seattle scores again, it's just over because there's no way NYCFC is getting five. And it sounds like they're just going forward, like they're just they're just going, they're just gonna take it. They're not, you know, it was like what we talked about with uh like Mexico when we played Panama, you know, like just go take the points, take the win, just take it. Just don't, you know, don't sit back, just go for it. Yeah. Like and, yeah. Yeah. Which is what I expected. I mean, Schmetzer doesn't really tend to sit back. Right. You look at their starting 11, too. It's like their best starting 11. We've, we've bet everything on winning this. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that the entire Sounders organization, if we finish dead last in MLS on this year, but we win the CONCACAF Champions League, everyone is going to be very happy. Right. Yeah, I mean, that should be the goal for any MLS team because we haven't done it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Um, let's go ahead and move into our picks of the week. <clears throat> okay. So there, this might be like a repeat. There, there might be like an echo from last week's episode. I'm assuming <laughs> you guys didn't play anything for tomorrow? Not for the show. No, not for the show. Okay. Um, so last semi-talking point. I don't, I am not the most superstitious, like there's moments in my life where I do have superstition, but I am not the most superstitious person in the world. West Ham should be fucking up on aggregate going into this match and West Ham is going to fucking advance. <laughs> dude, West Ham is going to fucking advance. I just fucking, dude, I know it. Like the, the only way they don't is way more shenanigans. And honestly, I've been trying to rack my brain as to why these shenanigans would happen in the first place. And you know what it is? You know what it is? French teams fucking suck, and none of them have a chance at winning any fucking tournament. <laughs> no, honestly, like, what other angle is there? A, l- a little bit of background here, Dan. Uh, so I took off work early on Thursday, and yeah. Thomas took off work early on Thursday, and we, we, we had a little... Uh, trying to say it without getting paced too too excited but like a you know mandate type thing um we uh <laughs> we went we went and bought some beers and we were watching uh europa league we watched the first leg of the west ham and what was it leon yeah no yeah leon uh west ham leon match in london do you know what happened at all in that match No? I mean, I know it finished one-one, but okay. So while I talk, I'm gonna go ahead and try to refine this video. What's his name? Yeah. Chesterman, or how do you say it? Cresswell. Cresswell. Yeah, uh, West Ham guy was sent off right at the end of the first half. It was zero to zero. West Ham was dominating. 
he tackled uh, Dembele, who I believe was with uh, Newcastle for a long time, the Premier League, a striker. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of, I mean, he's a big guy. And he just kind of pulled him and he went down. And uh, the German ref, who um, actually has a history of being paid off, I, I do. I did a deep dive into that, by the way. I know every fucking detail of that now. <laughs> of course you did. And uh, so he gave uh, a red card to Cresswell. So West Ham went down 10 guys. The The most interesting thing about it and probably the most active thing on social media was uh, there was video of Dembele on the ground winking. And while we were watching it, we thought he was winking at his teammates, which was already kind of like, like a fuck you move, to be honest. But... Mm-hmm. Like oh, Dan has the Dan has video the, review. He was winking at the ref. He was oh, geez. at the ref. At the fucking ref. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, do you want the details on that on that bribery scandal? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so Dan, you might actually know some details about this. The 2006 um Bundesliga 2 refing scandal. Do you know about that? Not really. I wasn't really following club soccer in, in 2006. Okay. Well, it was like, it's one of the biggest, it's the biggest corruption scandal in major European soccer since that Germany, who was it? Germany and who back in the eighties or whatever. Ger- when Germany and Austria fixed Austria. the match in the 1982 world. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. This 2006 ref scandal was the biggest corruption scandal since that moment. And what it was is there was one ref that did primarily Bundesliga two. There was never any evidence that it happened in Bundesliga one, just in two, but he was taking bribes from teams. And I want to say it was Hertha Berlin. Yeah, it was, it was Hertha Berlin had three players and there was some Croatian gambling syndicate and they were all in cahoots with each other, paying each other off and taking bribes to fix games where guys would get own goals and shit. And they would lose matches on purpose to fix the the bookies, you know, to make these that's Croatian syndicate whole. And the ref from that West Ham Leon match took a bribe from this ringleader ref that went to prison for two and a half years to not snitch on him, just to snitch on him three months later. But he initially took the bribe. He initially took the bribe, and he shouldn't be fucking refing anymore. True. That's yeah. That's pretty ridiculous. Do you see the video? I sent. I sent the video. Did you watch it? Um, I've not seen that yet. Well, I put. I put it in our group chat. But yeah, but I mean, I see. it wasn't a red card. It was I, and, a, and, and, and Thomas here. Thomas says the, it was outside the box. It should have been a yellow. It was outside the box, and he wasn't even going directly towards goal. Yeah, it's what we call a professional foul. Yeah, a, an automatic yellow. Mm-hmm. And if it's aggressive enough, it's a red. Yep. But there was no aggression behind it at all. Now, if the ball had been going directly towards goal, I could potentially see a red. Yeah. But he was yeah. drifting away from goal. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, very ridiculous. It's kind of expected. This is what I was trying to tell Corey, like, like you come into the West Ham world, man. This is like what we live. Like we get weird VAR calls against us. Like if it's if it's like a, a big a big side that 
you know, it'd be like a bar crawl that would go against West Ham. It's going to go against West Ham again. It, it's just like. Yeah, but Leo like, ain't a big side. I'm, I'm just saying. It's just the West Ham world. Welcome. They're fucking advancing. Welcome. You're officially a hammer, by the way. It's, it's this, right? Yeah. Oh, so I can do this for two. Nebraska. I can do this for two different teams now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I, I think, I think I am going to adopt West Ham, and I don't think there's any like major conflict between Liverpool and West Ham, is there? Other than just like EPL teams hating EPL teams. Yeah, like we hate we hate any big market team to be honest. Like, because, well, you're the working class team. Yeah, I mean, everybody hates Liverpool. Like that's the thing you don't understand as a Liverpool fan. Everybody fucking hates Liverpool. Well, it's not. I, I mean, I adopted <laughs> Liverpool in the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, when they hadn't won anything like of serious note for decades, other than that Champions League with Steven Gerrard. Before I even watched soccer, I liked them because they couldn't win the EPL. Right. You know, no, but I mean, yeah. No, I just I I think the motivation factor. I mean, how many times do you think the West Ham guys have seen that video of him winking? Like a lot. And and West Ham's performance over the weekend, they're clearly their goal, and, and it should be kind of, is to advance and do everything they can to what is uh West Ham to advance right now? Plus one forty, plus one forty. It's been plus one forty all fucking week. It's a good bet. I'm gonna lay money on it too, obviously. But like, Dude, I'm, no, I'm making it a whale play. I'm going. I'm. I'm putting all my fucking money in my account on it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm not joking. Like, I don't care if people got paid off or if there's any corruption or anything. These the guys from West Ham care about this. They clearly cared about it because they down a man came out and went up one nothing. Right. Like they clearly want this. They know that this is their best chance at a trophy. When was the last time West Ham won a trophy? Probably the like FA Cup 1980 or something like that. Okay. So outside of Barcelona, they're probably the second best team in this tournament still. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean like at least at least on level I footing. At the Atlanta winner is probably Maybe the second best team on the same footing, not necessarily. None of those three teams are like, you know, considerably better. They're just, they're on the same footing. Barcelona is obviously the money team, but if they can get to the finals and they don't see Barcelona till the finals, I mean, Villarreal beat fucking Manchester United last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've, I've talked about my dream scenario is that like, uh, I guess whatever, I guess it's Liverpool or Manchester City win Champions League. Uh, whoever it is, Tottenham or Arsenal is in fifth, but West Ham then win the Europa League. <laughs> oh, it would be so much better if it was Arsenal. If, if you're going to – We hate Tottenham. Oh, yeah. We hate Tottenham. They're, they're both in our London clubs, but we hate Tottenham more. It but Arsenal is a bigger money. One of them. But I – no, it's just like a – it's like a more heated rival because like, I don't think Tottenham has a, ever been like at the level that they're at right now, like before, you know, 
So, I mean, it'd be pretty, I mean, that would be great. That would be like my wet dream kind of scenario. But the best part is, is it doesn't matter too much because either it's going to be either one of them. It's going to be a London club. It's either going to be the club you hate more or the club who has more money. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be dope. There's some sort of thing. Do you know, Dan, do you know like uh, European traveling rules for tickets? There's some, there's something I've been seeing on, on West Ham Twitter that like there's only like one travel group that is allowed into the game. <laughs> Like I, I, I looked up the rule, but I couldn't find it. But there's something about like a, there's a bunch of West Ham. I mean, a bunch of English people right now in Leon that are like acting like they're Leon fans just so they can get into the game. Yes. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, I mean, the stadium would be pretty wild to begin with. Even if there is just like one little section of West Ham fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should be should be pretty interesting. Yeah. Europa League of Love is like. Conquer cap love. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, there's actually a lot more passion in it than I thought there would be. Like that that uh Barca Galatasaray round, that was heated, fucking heated. And then this this West Ham Leon shit is heated. Like this is you know, it might be the NIT of European soccer, but people love it. Yeah. And it, it is not the the NIT just because the winner gets an automatic berth. To next year's Champions League. That's a so, huge, huge prize. That would be so awesome if the NIT did that, by the way. Dude, and that's exactly what I was gonna say. I talked to friends where the they, you know, they they make their little complaints about the things that they don't like about soccer that American sports don't have. And then I bring up that where the winner of that, you know, would basically be the winner of the NIT automatically qualifies for the dance. And they're like, okay, actually, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. That would be cool. And then do it like if the football playoff expands, do like a second football playoff, like nine through whatever. Uh, 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 I feel like with American sports, though, you'd have to do it before the major tournament starts. Like you wouldn't be able to do this year's NIT for next year's tournament. You'd have to do this year's NIT for this year's tournament. Oh, that would. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, like, OK, it, we'll, we'll use football. I mean, well, I mean, basketball's already in, in place. Right. So, yeah. Play the NIT, you know, make it small because they already got like the CBI or whatever Dan was saying earlier, the other one too, the national something. <laughs> but like, so yeah, make it small and then they pick whatever. What do we got now? 68? Pick 67 teams plus the NIT winner. That'd be fucking cool. Yeah. Everybody would watch that. All right. So, you know, we could we could talk about how we can, enter, you know, uh, intermingle concepts that happen in European soccer with some American sports, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and get to our picks of the week. With that being said, I've already kind of said one of them and my, my whale this is my whale play. I'm either going to retire for a while and only make fun plays on the podcast for a few, for a few months or, uh, continue with what I've been doing, but I'm taking West Ham to advance tomorrow. I just, I don't think there's any way that they don't. I think the motivation is too high. I don't care that if the corruption is that bad to that level where that's going to counteract the amount of motivation that West Ham is going to have, then I deserve to retire in my opinion. So. Yeah. I'm yeah. 
it, it will only be if we can't score, which has been our thing forever. But yeah, I love it. You can also parlay that with Barcelona to advance, and it comes out plus one eighty eight. Just so you know. Oh yeah, Barca is one one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love I love the note. Hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, if it's a whale play, it's it's you're either going to live or die by West Ham advancing, and then you can just tack on Barcelona to advance, and that's plus one eighty eight. That's really good value. Right. All right, uh, moving on to our picks for the weekend. Uh, I'll kick it off. Um, all right, I'm starting in the Premier League. Um, and as a West Ham supporter, this hurts me to say, but uh, Tottenham, Hotspurs has been by far the best team in the Premier League for, for a week now. And uh, they're on an amazing roll. They've been winning games uh, by a ridiculous amount of numbers. Um, <laughs> They play um, they Brighton, play Brighton, Hove, Albion yep. uh, t- uh, this weekend and um, at home. And uh, the number that I found in a three-way handicap was minus one at plus one thirty-five. Like I, I mean, there's no reason to think that they're not going to continue their run that they're on. I mean, they're what's they're, uh, what's the mi- what's the minus one uh, draw too. Minus one draw. It's high. Very high. But I think they'll win like three or four to zero. Or by three or four. Oh, I think they're going to win. But I I have – so I have my plays, again, you know, laid out by day. Yeah. I have Tottenham money line. I'm on my plays. So I'm right there with you. But I was just – I was curious if you can get minus one at plus money – what would minus one draw be at plus two four? You could actually play minus one Tottenham and minus one draw, put a shit ton of money on both and still win money. <laughs> you could, because it's minus two forty for the draw. Yeah, and the only thing that would fuck you is if Brighton if they draw or lost, <laughs> which they're not gonna. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let's see. This is plus two forty and plus one thirty five. So if you put equal amounts on on both of them and they win, you paid for your other bet. And if it's they only win by one, then you still make money. But I think they're going to win. I, I I I'm playing that too. I dude, the form they're in. Kane Kane hasn't scored a goal in their last three matches, and they've scored what like fucking eight goals. Yeah, I think nine, maybe even nine, and he hasn't scored at all. He assisted. He assisted a hat trick last week. Yeah, four zero five one three one two zero. They lost to Manchester. United. He scored in the two zero match. Yeah, they lost to Manchester United on March twelfth, March seventh. They won five to zero. They did lose the Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. Who knows? But they that did. FA Cup been so fucking weird this year. Yeah, they beat Man City three to two. I mean, yeah, they're on a they're on a tear. Dude, they're in the best form. Like, it's them and Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, on that Tottenham subject, like, if you're going to do that, um, playing both the minus one and the minus one draw, you're better off just doubling your bet and um, playing Tottenham money line. Yeah, probably. I, I just – I was just curious looking at numbers. Yeah, like, being a way to manipulate numbers. Yeah. Yeah, like, the, the math um, basically – 
means that you'd you'd win you'd come out ahead on that if the handicap draw hit, but if the minus one palm hit, then you'd be better off um, doubling your bet and taking Tottenham money line. Right. Yep. I mean, and that's you know, bookies know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I just I was just curious. I I think they're gonna win. All right, Dan, what's your first play? Well, that was that was going to be my first play, actually. Because <laughs> I mean, Spurs is, Spurs have looked fantastic um, as of late. Brighton has looked poor, and Spurs has won their have won their past two meetings with Brighton by two, and have covered only minus one spread and four straight. So that's going to be on my card. But since I'm not going to be copying that, no, no, no. Let's let's. It's okay. Let's do a full a first time group full send. <laughs> we haven't done that's not happened yet. This is episode 31, and we have not had a full send yet. Dream, by the way, is that like we come on one of these and we all have the exact same four or five picks. <laughs> Dude, this week, this week was difficult. This week was actually difficult. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. If you're gonna like, make it, I think I think uh, I was gonna say I think my MLS pick is gonna be almost the exact same one of Dan. So like, I'll let him go first on that one. <laughs> uh, so so Dan, do you want an audible or or how do you want to go about it? I mean, it's gonna be on my card, but I don't think um people want to hear me talk about the same <laughs> the same exact um, match. So I'll just move on to my next play. Okay, go ahead. So so yeah, um, with the caveat that yes i'm going to be taking that same bet that thomas just mentioned but my next play is going to be um norwich plus two against manchester united at plus 115 nice yes like united has been kind of a wreck lately and norwich really could use this match to get out of um, the drop zone and they've actually not played that poorly against Stone United the past few times they've um, come across each other. Their, their past five matches, United's won them all, but three of them have been by exactly one goal. So getting two goals here, I think, is a really nice play to still get plus money. I purposely stayed away from that match, even though it's a big money team versus a bottom dweller. We like to make hay on those type of matchups across all five of the major money leagues and even in the MLS. We 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 love to try to find value in those matchups. This one I stayed away from because Manchester United's form and you're playing into that. So love it. Yeah. Like, yes. I I really like part of me likes that dart of Norwich double chance plus 320 um for them to walk away with the point. But I think I think the value is taking them on the handicap at plus two. Dude, if it was Leeds instead of instead of Norwich right now, I would totally throw that dart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't have confidence that Manchester United could be anybody by more than one goal. So that mm-hmm. that is to me a great bet, hundred percent. What's the plus three? Just out of curiosity, uh, Norwich plus three is minus two twenty five. See, and that's a good parlay builder. Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, or go ahead. Oh, you could play that with the Tottenham money line at minus 190. That's going to get you plus money right there. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Out of, out of uh, curiosity, I'll, I'll go ahead and pull that up. But uh, for my, for my next play, I'm on Friday going to do a two leg parlay and it is, I'm riding one of Thomas's trains here because out of those nine line items, this is one of the only ones that hit. <laughs> I am going to take Real Batiste under one and a half goals at Sociedad. There you go. And then I'm going to parlay that with Inter Milan over one and a half goals at Spezia. And that comes out to minus 110. So it's pretty much an even bet. But those are two really, really safe options. I mean... Inter Milan has had a bunch of one-goal matches recently, but they're in this dead heat for the league with AC Milan right now, so they're going to need to score goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my Sociedad, um, Betanil, or under when they're at home, has been almost flawless this year. There are some red flags on this game. Did you look at the history? Yeah, I'll pull it up. <laughs> Batiste has won four to zero the last two games. Uh, but I mean, I didn't look into it, but I mean, that's been my bet. Real Sociedad has, has an amazing, amazing home line. It is Real Sociedad at home 12 in 15 games, 12 goals, four, and only six conceded. That's fucking insane for a European team. Like, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like it, even even if it is Betis, who's a good offensive team. But yeah, I like it. I like your bet. Am I up? Yep, I think so. Okay. Um, I'll drop down. Um, to I'll go my Liga Max bet now. Um, I got a Bundesliga and MLS after this. Uh. I'm going to take uh, Santos Laguna. Um, they've taken five of six out of Querétaro, uh, including the last game. They um, just absolutely destroyed them five to zero. Querétaro has not been the same since they had that incident um, at their home stadium. Um, and I'm going to play that one um, just with kind of like a Mexican league push of uh, uh, Tigres being just a, just a very talented team at home. Um They've actually lost two in a row to Toluca, so I think um, they're going to win that one as well. Those two money lines. Tigres, by the way, 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. Uh, those two money lines together, which are minus 150, minus 225, comes out to plus 140. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. All right, and Dan? All right. So I am going to head into the Bundesliga here for what is now my third play. And I'm going to jump on Augsburg at minus 115 money line. Because after what I've seen from Erta, like having watched Union play them that last match, I don't think Erta's going to win another match all year. Like they just look done. And Augsburg has played very well at home. Like Augsburg's most recent um, home home matches. Let me check this to make sure I actually have this sum correct. Let's see. Augsburg at home. 
They beat Mines. They drew with Dortmund. They squashed Wolfsburg. And they just played Bayern pretty tough on the road. They came away with a 1-0 loss in Munich. So Augsburg seems to still be playing with some genuine hope. And Ersa, I think, has just accepted its fate. So, yeah, I think minus 115 is the way to play this one. Right. Yeah, I, I took a I took a look at that one too. Uh yeah, I think it was I think it was almost even money, like either I mean, either this morning or or yesterday or something. I remember looking at it, but I yeah, I like this I like that bet or that bet. That's a great bet. Yeah, and if, if I want to get aggressive, given that Erta has shipped sixty-six goals this season, Augsburg and over two and a half goals at plus one eighty-five looks like it holds a lot of value. Right. Yeah, that was that was one of them. I was I, I actually did look at that game. I didn't handicap it, but I did look at it. And you're right. I think even just as much as Firth, Erta Berlin is worth fading just as much as Firth right now. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Yeah. All right, on to my Saturday plays. You guys made me make an audible, so I got two different plays for Saturday, and both of them include Tottenham money line. So if you take Tottenham money line and FC, so and then in Swiss, what what's it called? Swiss Premier? That's no, not Premier League, but what's the Swiss Premier League called? Swiss Super League. Super League. Swiss Super League. Swiss Super League. This week we have uh, FC Zurich versus Young Boys. And I'm going to take both teams to score, and I'm going to parlay that with Tottenham money line. Now, in three of the last five head-to-heads, some team has been shut out, but they're both battling for – well, Zurich is pretty much running away with it. So if you look at Young Boys' last five matches, four of them have ended in a 2-2 draw. So I just think there's going to be goal scored, point blank. That comes out to plus one twenty eight. I'm also going to parlay Tottenham money line with Norwich plus three tailing Dan here. And that comes out to plus 120. So two different Tottenham parlays. Right. You put all yeah, your, makes a lot of sense. you put all your Easter eggs in a Tottenham basket, a Tottenham money line basket. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm head to the Bundesliga for my next one. Um, Dortmund at home versus anyone that isn't Bayern Munich is usually like a pretty solid opportunity. Um, but then also, if you look at the history uh, on live score, I could only go back to 2017. Um, and Wolfsburg hasn't beat Bayern since at least 2017. I don't know how much farther it goes back. They had one tie in there. So I'm going to take their money line and I'm going to add that. Um, to just our favorite German fade of all time, uh, fading Greater Firth. Um, they play at Hoffenheim. Those two together at minus 108. Uh, another thing I did see that if I'm going to play the minus 108 of those two money lines, um, if you did want to do an over three and a half on the Hoffenheim Firth game, um, it's at even money. Uh, I saw their last two fixtures ended six to three and then two to two. So it's another possible one. Yep. 
eventually one of us is going to write a book called Fading Greater Perth. <laughs> it's a shame they're going to be out of the Bundesliga next year. I know. We have to follow them back down and just like bet Schalke. Is Schalke going to get promoted? Who's going to get promoted? Do we know? Schalke's um, one of them. <laughs> how many teams get promoted and how many teams get relegated? I was actually curious about that looking at my handicap lines. Um, so two, so two teams are guaranteed relegated, oh, yeah. and the third one gets some um, put into a playoff with so the teams, fourth team. Third, team. um, no. So, um, so eight teams, eighteen and seventeen and eighteen are guaranteed relegation, mm-hmm. and then the team in sixteenth, um, goes into a playoff against the third place team from the second Bundesliga. And okay. the winner of that playoff gets the final spot. Yeah. Yeah. So when did Schalke go down? They went down two years ago, right? Um, Schalke. Last year. See. Yeah, they went down this past year. Oh, yeah. With, yeah. With it Brent, looks like right now they're, I mean, but it's, it's really tight. It's a very tight tape. It is. It's very tight. Yeah, yeah it is. What do you think it happened? Holy shit. Yeah. But they're like so far up on goal differential. There's no way. No I mean, way they don't get promoted. Goal differential, but I mean, there's still five <laughs> matches where they could blow it and um, yeah, themselves yeah. out of out of the running. Yeah, I would say that I would be willing to put a hefty amount of money on Schalke getting promoted. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, that match. Question? Um, that match in um a week and a half between Schalke and Werder is going to be huge. Yeah, it will put whoever wins in a nice position to not have to play in that playoff. Yeah. St. Pauli beat – who did St. Pauli beat in uh, Polka? They beat somebody good. They, they, they're playing Freiburg in the um, semifinals. Yeah. So, I mean, they look like a good side too. Yeah. Yeah. Much better than Firth. <laughs> Firth will what? go down like whatever third division is called. Three dot Liga. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next play? Um, All right. I think it's mine. All right. So I am going to play um All right. I'm going to need to get odds on this one cuz I am going to be combining um, Portland double chance along with the over. Let's see. By the way, for same game parlays and shit, I have found that as long as the as long as the book has it, FanDuel is much more forgiving with that shit. All right, so I'm going to do Portland double chance and over two and a half goals at plus two fifty five. There you go. So Portland has scored two or more goals. So, yeah, I I might even get more aggressive and just play Portland to go over one and a half goals along with the double chance because Portland has scored at least two goals in five straight matches against Houston. Like, I think Houston will get at least one in the net um, and take care of the over. But, yeah, I think this offers a lot of value to back the Timbers. So I'm double chance here. Well, it's MLS, so I'm out. I trust you. <laughs> yeah, it 
MLS, geez. Let's see. Portland. All right. Watch, watch. By the time we get to the summer and the end of all, all of the European leagues, and I'm forced to bet on MLS, watch me go on a fucking tear after talking. All oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just watch. <laughs> that's, an, that's another play that could offer some value. Portland over one and a half goals is plus 165. I like it. Yep. Plus 170 right. on MGM. Okay. So you get five more points. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So on Sunday, and this is where this is where I've been, I have been listening. I have been listening to you guys. Uh I am going to tail Dan here. And by the way, Dan, so I don't know. Do you have TikTok? I do not. You do not? Okay. Well, then I can't. Can't send it to you. Well, I could send it to you and you could watch it still. But um, there's this guy I follow on TikTok where he has like a, a collection of 200 jerseys. Okay. And he does like little themes of his videos. And this week's theme was Bundesliga. And so he picked a jersey from a team that everybody would know. And then he even said in that video that the next video is going to be a team he's going to pick that not everybody would know. And I knew, some fucking reason, I just knew it was going to be Union. Nice. I knew it was going to be, and it was. And he went through every detail. So I'll send you the video. I, I don't think you have to have TikTok to watch the video, but okay. you would you would fully enjoy that video. He talks about the stadium, talks about talks about a bunch of stuff. It was really cool. But I'm going to tell your, what, what do you call it? The it's, a, it's not the Iron Curtain, is it? What do you call their home stadium? The Iron Fortress. Iron Fortress. The Iron Fortress. I'm going to take Frankfurt under one and a half goals. Okay. So give myself a little bit of a cushion there, and I'm going to parlay parlay that with Leverkusen and Leipzig, both teams to score, because they are both in a much-needed must-win scenario. And I don't think that that situation lends itself to Bundesliga lack of goals. I think it lends itself to more open play. They both want three points out of this. They're both uh, – how many teams make the Champions League out of Bundesliga? Four. Four. Oh, so one's in fourth and one's in fifth. Mm-hmm. So this is a fight for Champions League. Yeah. So they're going to score goals. Like goals, they, 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 they need to score goals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's at Leverkusen. If it was at Leipzig, I'd feel a lot less comfortable about it. But it's at Leverkusen. So – it being at Leverkusen makes me feel comfortable about them scoring goals, even though they've been struggling with it lately. So uh, you parlay that together, comes out to plus 108. Yeah, I like that. I like it too. Leipzig has a game tomorrow, and um, you don't really want to confuse the Iron Curtain <laughs> with anything in Germany. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 were on, we were on the wrong side of the oh no 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 i learned that in the video they are an east german club yes yeah. we are they are an east german club they do not play in berlin they play in one of the suburbs that's suburbs that's on east germany so they were never a part of bundesliga until 1992 that is correct and they didn't get promoted until three years ago that is also correct nice it's a fun deep dive uh I sent that video to you t- two times, by the way. Yeah, and TikTok. I mean, we just—I mean, nobody knows about TikTok, so they should like sponsor us. Like, <laughs> exposing the world of TikTok right now. Um, my last one's in MLS. Um, 
FC Cincinnati, like uh, they won two in a row, but then um, they've kind of returned to form. Um, I mean, kind of. They, they're scoring goals, but they're they're giving up a lot of goals. Um, and um, they traveled to Atlanta, who hasn't been great either. Um, but at home, they've been at least getting results. Um, and so I'm going to play the Atlanta money line. And I was just like scrolling through all the Saturday games. The, the very next one I could find that was even like worth capping, like because like I, like I, I kind of almost wanted uh, to go directly against Dan with the Houston, but like I, you know, I felt I felt uncomfortable about that as well. It, it was Seattle, Seattle money line hosting Inter Miami late Saturday night minus two hundred. I mean, that's a that's a very very long plane ride. I, I don't like long plane rides for, for any team in any sport, really. Uh, so those two combined together, plus 135. Well, if you don't like long plane rides, you might want to rethink that one because Seattle is going to have a long plane ride itself. What? Yeah, but, I mean, it's tonight. It should be tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Inter-Miami sucks, though. So. They do. They do. <laughs> and Seattle got a great home field event, so – yeah, we it's do. It's not about the plane ride. Seattle will win. Yeah. If we win, it'll be 1-0. All right. I mean, have faith in your team, Dan. Support my bet. <laughs> I mean, we can we can certainly win the match, but I think we're going to have dead legs after playing this some match, flying across the country from New York. Like, yeah. I expect – I like, I'm going to play the under in that match. That might be a good bet. But I mean, there's, I mean, another thing is that they're young, they're young guys, they're whatever, they're, team, they're very good. Too. They're, they're a solid team. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have, we have plenty of depth. We yep. can absolutely win that, win that match. But if we do, it's going to finish one nil. Right. Have they ever played? They haven't played ever, right? Inter is kind of a new team. Um, I think we might have played once. No, actually, I don't think we have. Well, because yeah. we did, we weren't scheduled to play them last year, and their first year, most of the season got wiped out by the pandemic. So yeah, we've never played. Yeah. All right. All right. So for my next play, I'm just gonna keep it simple. Union to win plus one fifteen. Like we've gotten a result against everyone who's come to um East Berlin except for Bayern and Dortmund. Dude, that was okay. So when I did my deep dive into the under one and a half, those are the only two teams to score more than one goal yep. in the Iron Fortress in league play all season. I know. I know. We are a very, very good home team. Like, I'm part of me wants to get a little bit aggressive and take Union to win in both to score. I think this match is going to finish 2 1 to Union because our past five meetings with Thom Frankfurt, both teams have found the net in all of them. Yep. And, that, and that's why, that's exactly why I gave myself that cushion. Yeah. I, I think that was a very smart play on your part. So I might try a correct score play. Um, try correct score sprinkle on this at plus seven seventy five for two to one to Union. But yeah, I 
I think there's a good chance that Dom were walking away with three points here. I like it. Um, I do have one more. I stretched it out till Monday, and they got the listeners got a uh, special audible double play on Saturday. So, uh, but on Monday, I'm going to take uh, Galatasaray money line at home, and I'm going to try to pronounce this. I, I mean, it only two weeks ago did I learn, or three weeks ago did I learn how to say Galatasaray. So, we're we're going to try this one, and it's Malatasapor. I think Yeni Malatisapur or Malat Malatisapur. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'm gonna parlay that with uh, Barcelona Cadiz. Both teams not to score. I think. I think uh, if Barcelona loses, it's one to nothing. And I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Barcelona is gonna win either one nothing or two nothing. I, 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 I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think Barcelona loses that. I just think that there's a zero on the scoreboard by the end of the match. Uh, that comes out to plus 114. Okay. Nice. I like the Barca play. I love the Barca play. Uh, I gave him an extra day off, which is nice of La Liga. Yep. Well, in three of the last five matches with Cadiz have ended in a shutout. Two of the last five with Barca's ended in a shutout. Two of the last five uh, head-to-head has ended in a shutout. But Barcelona's in much better form than Cadiz. And I just – I think I think the wear and tear of the schedule, Barca, like Barca's going to be like protect our home court, don't get – or home field, don't give up a goal, score one, score two. I think it's going to be one nothing, 2 nothing. I like it. Yeah. All right. I am out of plays. Is it, Dan, do you have any? Yep. I got one more. Mm-hmm. So this will be MLS. And I am going to go with a two-match play here. And I'm going to be taking Montreal to win. And DC United under one and a half goals. Like Vancouver, I just think is a total mess. And having to travel across Canada, I just don't see that working out well for the Whitecaps. So I'm against the impact. So I think Montreal should take the points there. And then DC United. Austin's only given up five goals all year, and D.C. United's only scored five goals all year. So I don't see United scoring much, even though they're playing at home. I think that's going to be a one-goal-long one match, if that. So I think D.C. under one-and-a-half makes a lot of sense, and playing those together comes out at plus 198. There you go. Very nice. That it looks like it will be another uh, first time ever match in yeah. MLS at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like that bet a lot. All right, I think that kind of wraps it up uh, for our bets. Then, right? I mean, do you guys have anything else? No, dude, I'm good. And this was like a super heavy content episode. This was <laughs> a lot of good information. I do. No, yeah. this. I, I feel like this was really good. I think we we talked about a lot of things. I think 
I think a few of the things that we talked about today, we'll probably talk about a few more in depth in different ways, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. Are you guys good? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that, we will see you next week. Shout, uh, again, shout out to go to cappers. Uh, Dan's wearing the beanie. I'm wearing the, the all white hoodie. And, and I mean, pace, come on, man. Like you can't give us white clothes. Like, dude, they're so easy to get dirty. I, I'm a messy eater. You know, maybe he doesn't eat flaming hot chips, but you know, I, I love me some flaming hot funnions. I love me some some flaming hot uh uh flaming hot fries, you know, Cheeto fries. That red shit, dude, you get it all over your sleeves and everything. Dude, give us give us a different colored hoodie. Like give us something. Red, green, black, don't care. Just not white. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Sorry. Been meaning to do that for a while now. But no, shout out Coda Cappers. Uh, we love that you guys sponsor us and, and, and have us on the network. We love doing this. And see you guys next week. Yep. Bye. Thank you.